Tigers are back. We're on a roll, two in a row, coming off the bye, which is what we needed to do to kickstart the back half of our year. Uh, on to bigger and better things this week facing the Giants. And to discuss that plus more, we've got two brand new guests on tonight. Our first guest is Sparty. Welcome to the show, mate. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, as we always ask our new guest, how did you first become a Richmond supporter? Oh, you know, probably the same old story most people have. Um, you know, family, very heavily, um, you know, tradition of being Richmond supporters, uh, particularly my old man and and, and uh, my grandfather back in the day, um, as he was a policeman and actually knew a lot of the, the players at the time who were policemen, obviously working um, on, on the other side of, of playing footy and... Yeah, no, I just um, grew up surrounded by by Richmond people, and um, while it's it's made me emotionally stronger, I think as a human being uh, through through a lot of the hard years. Um, obviously, you know, it all pays off when, when we win the flag in 2017. We see some success now, so yeah, that's 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 pretty much how I become Richmond, just all through family and and um, all the emotions that come along with it. It's one thing that no one can ever deny. Is it, It's always a character-building thing being a Richmond supporter. When you've gone through the amount of shit that we've been through, not much will bother us outside of, uh, outside of that. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Um, in all facets of life, you just feel so much stronger to take on anything when, when you know you've, uh, you've, you've lived through probably... Oh, I remember the, the Geelong game, 157 points, was... Um, was probably the, the worst game I've seen us play at at, um, at Marvel. So yeah, um, if, if I can if I can sit through that, I can almost sit through anything. <laughs> Absolutely, everything else is just a complete nothing compared to some of those losses. Yep. And our second guest on tonight is actually a mate of Sparty's. We've got Trindicut. Welcome to the show. There you go, Michael. Thanks for having me. No drums at all. And same question to you. How did you become a Tiger supporter? Yeah, much the same, mate. Uh, my uh, mum indoctrinated me from a young age singing the song in the car at one year old and uh never never had a chance to back for anything else oh that's the way to go so they'll brainwash from really early on <laughs> yep passing on the tradition too i've got two uh two young kids uh, that are both uh avid richmond supporters they don't know it yet but they uh they will now is, was there any competition to try and sway them any other way no <clears throat> no my wife's american so uh, she doesn't follow afl Oh, perfect. So, I had, so, no no competition at all. Free range, that's good. Has she converted herself? Has she taken much interest in the game at all? Yeah, she's she's come along to a few. We got along to uh, Essendon, Richmond this year. She came along to that, so she uh, knows what's going on now, at least. Out of interest, how hard do you find it to explain the rules to her, being that she doesn't know the background of it? Because I, I just think that these days it's hard enough for us to understand, let alone trying to explain it to someone else who hasn't seen it before. She's picked it up pretty quickly, to her credit. Uh, I think just the fact that I always have football on and just sort of exposure over time. I mean, Dane uh, uh, Sparty got me back into uh, footy uh, about 10 or ten or 11 years ago, and I was a complete footy nuffy back then, and it's taken 10 years to sort of get myself into some pretty good understanding of what's going on, and she's done pretty well for five or six years that she's been following it. But uh, some things just... Uh, completely foreign to her as to how it works because she's only followed things like ice hockey and uh, NFL over there. So, yeah, but she's got there in the end. Ah, oh, very good. Uh, before we get into it, obviously big news today with David Asprey and Camden McIntosh extending their contract, staying at the club until the end mm. of 2021, which is fantastic news. And every time I see players re-sign or extend contracts with us, 
I always get taken back to the point in time when we signed Tom Lynch and everyone in the media was just like, they're never going to sign any of their other plays. They're going to lose everyone. Mass walkout. <laughs> and I, you just can't help but laugh every time we uh, manage to keep someone. But those two guys have been pretty important this year. And I think Asprey probably come under the most fire, well, maybe not so much this year or last year, but everyone thought he was expendable because we had rants. And then when we don't have rants, mm. it now becomes more evident as to how structurally important he is to our side. He certainly lifted um, to those, all the guys at the back have done, I think. I mean, we've had some losses this year, some pretty bad losses, but I, I feel like the boys up there have lifted um, to fill that hole and lifted quite admirably. Yeah, and I think that yeah. the one that stands out for me is the Adelaide game. For me, I think, and it might be a very simple view, and I said it before in a previous episode, but if Asprey plays on Walker or Jenkins instead of Garthwaite, I reckon we win that game. There's no way he lets them kick five or four goals each. No, exactly right. Like I, I actually always think back as you know, pretty much we almost lost him when when we almost traded him up to Brisbane. You know, yeah, we went and had an interview up there, and um, you know, at the time, as you said, we, we probably thought he was probably a little bit more expendable, and, and he hadn't actually solidified his, his role down back. And you know, he actually came he was, uh, came to us as a forward as well. Um, if we think back that that far back, so um, and kind of as Trinder Cut said, like you know, he's he's definitely solidified his role up there, and. I'm looking forward to this week, um, you know, because last time we had Garthwaite playing on the likes of Cameron, and that's right. we end up kicking, I, th- I think, seven, I think he was against us, so um, might be a very different story this week, that's for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. And Cameron hasn't been in the form that uh, he was leading into that game as well, so hopefully uh, we can keep him, uh, keep him contained this weekend. And Camden McIntosh, he's probably been, at some points in his career, a bit of a whipping boy for Richmond people, but I reckon this year that it's been his best year of his career. I think the consistency in his game um, is very good playing on the wing. Um, he's a little bit chaotic, but sometimes that plays into our hands as well. But just his athleticism, Ooh. his strongness over the ball, aerial marking, can, um, some of the ridiculous passes he pulls off. And okay, sometimes they don't come off, but yeah, I think he, this has been his best year so far and good on him for getting an extension. Yeah, exactly right. I, particularly, I, um, once again, thinking back when he when he first started, um, he came out, you know, uh, came out of the blocks running. Um, I think he, I think he might have even gotten the the Rise and Star nomination that that first round against Carlton. He was he was absolutely unbelievable. Um, and I think that's probably where a lot of supporters actually hold him to, to quite a high standard um, of of knowing of, of you know straight away we've seen how good he was. He, he almost didn't have that time to to. to um, to develop slowly, I guess. Uh, so, but yeah, he's, he's definitely been probably one of our more, more consistent players over the last couple of years. And um, whether it be even the, the premiership year in recent years or this year, yeah, he's, he's definitely um, has to create a lot more um, consistency in his games. That's for sure. He's been uh, one of the, one of only three players this year to play every game, um, which Sparty actually pointed out to me earlier today when he got signed on mm. for a few years. But uh He's been certainly been consistent this year, and uh, and again without Rance, he's one of the boys that have stepped up and really filled that hole and provided some consistency down back that we really needed. I reckon if we were to stop and do our best and fairest right now, he'd be in the top five or six. Mm, yeah, which is a yeah, credit think, to himself. I think purely because yeah, he's, he's he's played every game as well. That that, that, that does help. That so does when, help. When, when you've got Cochin out and. Um, and um and, and he was missing a couple of games. Yeah, definitely. So, um... 
with some of our best players out for chunks of games too, not just one or two, uh, yeah, he'd, he'd be right up there. And what about the uh, big game on the weekend that we had against Gold Coast? Richmond 23-12, 150, defeated the Suns 9-4-58, winning by 92 points. Uh, apparently some weren't happy with that, but we'll push on. Um, yeah. Sparty, what did you make Can't of the game? Oh, I, yeah, bashing my head against the wall sometimes with uh, things like that. But, you know, a 92-point win is a 92-point win at the end of the day. You've got to, realistically, if you're winning by, if you kick 100 points and a half, very strong probability that you're not going to do it again the second half. It just doesn't happen like that. So no, the, exactly right. the expectations that some people had were just borderline ridiculous. Um, we improved our percentage, and, and that's was a great outcome, uh, yeah, which we needed to do. But yeah, I thought the boys played really well. That first half was um, some of our best football for a while. Yeah, it kind of brought in um, memories back once again to, to the Premiership year when when we went over and played Fremantle uh, over there and absolutely smashed them. Um, you know, and that and that's we, we we aren't a team. We've never really been a team to go out and really pump sides um, by even by hundred plus points. It's just not really in our nature. We we seem to just do what we need to do to get the win a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, so and and that's the thing. Like you kind of saw that particularly through the first half, they set the game up. Then all they, all they needed to do was sit back, just manage manage the ga- the rest of the game. And they still ended up winning, um, you know, um, by a greater margin than they had at halftime. So, um, albeit it was only like 10 points or something, but um, they, they, they were able to manage that, that second half really well. And probably the, the, the biggest highlight for me was seeing players like Stagner, like obviously wasn't a big part of that, that big um, push for the 100 points in the first half. He stepped up, allowed others to kind of take a step back, manage their maybe manage their loads a little bit more, and, and actually pop up and, and and kick five goals and, and almost take best on ground. So, um, I think a really good team effort overall. That's for sure. I think it it does a lot to um, uh, a win like this uh, will bring some form to some players that have probably been a little bit on the fringe, um, but have held their spot due to the numerous injuries we've had. And also with seven players coming back uh, last week, uh, I think it was, and just getting a little bit of uh, another run in them like that. I mean, I think it would be just as valuable to have a, a close win, um, which we, you know, we might get this weekend, but um, it's, you know, there's a lot of benefit to come from just being able to get, you know, the whole, the whole 22 to gel right and to get the process working well and to get a big score and get the reward for, for effort against a uh, admittedly poor opponent in the Suns. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, it just to help create that synergy again that Hardwick's talking about with all these players coming back, um, mm-hmm. that was a perfect setup for that and just as good preparation coming into the next couple of weeks, which are a lot harder. I mean, I know the Gold Coast last and Latin didn't give much of a yelp, but... Outside of our game, they've typically actually been a pretty good defensive side and pretty stingy. So it actually was a good performance when you look at even Geelong's struggle to score against them. Um, they're very good at stoppages and, and bottling it up. So the fact that we were able to open them up the way we did was a pretty impressive facet of the game, I think. I think probably one of the more underrated players of the game on the weekend. or uh, Maybe not underrated, but uh, Shane Edwards has been not been played the same way we haven't used past. I think he's um, he's probably probably um, probably due to injuries, I guess, been forced sort of down back a bit more. But he was um, he was one of our best, if not the best, uh, score uh, score assists 
uh, players in the last few years for the Tigers, and he was a big part of that on the weekend. And it was good to see him back up there again. I've, I think him playing up forward gives us another extra few goals every game. Yeah, that's a good call. His creativity with his hands is is elite. We all know that. I don't think a lot of other teams have cottoned onto it just yet. Um, but yeah, his ability to free up space is is pretty exceptional. Just a couple of other notes on our scoreline. Uh, yeah, last week was the third time we've scored over 100 points this season. And interesting enough that we've actually now gone back-to-back for the first time scoring 100 points plus. Which I think is a, a... I know we've played St Kilda and Gold Coast. I, I get that. But uh, we haven't scored over 100 points against other lower sides as well. So I think it's a good sign of our intentions in the back half of the year. Uh, it's the highest score for the season so far. Uh, in a year where it's at a 50-year all-time low, that's a really good sign. And it's also the second week in a row we've won the contested possession. We won it by plus 16. That's been a big bugbear of mine. We've been getting smashed in that area for a long time now. Uh, and I think there's been wow. a bit of a conscious effort to turn that number around because it, it plays a pivotal part in, in getting good results. It'll certainly be important for us to try and get a win with a contested possession game this weekend because that's that's the Giants' style of play is to win the contested possession. I think even though they lost in the weekend, they still, uh, they still help won the contested possession amount by a really healthy amount. I reckon Cochin is raring to go for this week. Yeah. Um, and particularly particularly with the, the contested possession, he, he looked absolutely he, amazing last week. He was clean. He was um, he was as clean yeah. as I've seen him for a long time. What it's, I liked about his game last week was he he was disciplined. He went hard for the ball and hard at the man with the ball, but didn't give away those stupid free kicks he was doing against St Kilda. That mm-hmm. the Cochin of last week is perfect. Yep. Hundred um, percent. You know, if if he brings any of that that pressure that you know we know he can put in, um, particularly during the finals campaign, um, that that intensity of the ball and it, it just shows that it was probably having some sort of niggles throughout the first half of the year, and you know he took a bunch of weeks off and and uh, look last week all the, all those all those uh, free kicks he's kind of given away. You, you almost put a bit of rust coming back into the side um, and. Two weeks, two weeks back to playing. Um, yeah, he looked absolutely raring to go. So, uh, particularly against a really good midfield in GDL, GWS this week, uh, really, really looking forward to seeing him have a really strong performance. And what did you guys make of Bolton's game? I thought he was close to best on ground, and I really loved the fact he, fact he was getting some midfield minutes because that's where he's been doing his best work in the VFL, and it was really nice to see that translate to his AFL game. Uh, yeah, I certainly, um, I certainly like seeing him play in the midfield more. He's a, he's a bit of a, I feel like he adds a bit of an unknown, like spark. So oppositions would have a bit of trouble lining up on him. Um, in my, in my thoughts. I think, I think his skill has, as he's starting to reach that AFL level as well. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of been on the fringe where he's, he's, his skill execution hasn't been uh, probably up to up to the level of AFL. Over the recent years, he's shown some really good signs, particularly playing as a small forward. But um, but yeah, his his ability to hit a target um, now at AFL level is as uh, um, has gotten a lot lot better. And yeah, he definitely um, showed a lot of those signs. And if he if he keeps building building up his body a little bit more, um, his endurance and his his ability to win the ball, then yeah, he can be a very very valuable player for us. Um, you know, across that half forward and in the midfield for sure. I, I don't know I if you guys. Okay. I have to admit, it surprised me to see him play that kind of role and do so well at it. Um, I, I just thought he'd end up being another one of the sort of mosquito fleet up forward, but uh, he's he's really thrived in the midfield 
and I think the injuries have given him that opportunity too, um, which while he may not be there now, as um, as Sparty was saying, in the future, along with uh, Sydney Stack and some of the other boys have gotten a run. Um, Eggsy as well uh, had a good run on the weekend, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a promising signs going forward if we can find talent like we have been and, and get them a good run in the middle like, like, uh, like Bolton. And I can't understand. A lot of people are, are putting his name up as a possible omission for this week for Jack. I, it just blows my mind that people would say that after the kind of yeah, game no, he just no, no put, put out there. I would have thought Mark Over would find his way out of the side as good as he's been. <clears throat> I don't see that. Um, it would be insane, I think, for Bolton to... I mean, he got. I've just had a bit of a look at his stats while you mentioned it. He said uh, nine contested possessions and uh, 26 possessions overall and two goals and uh, just a huge influence on the game. Yeah, he couldn't have done much um, more. I, I don't see anyone getting dropped with those that kind of contribution. <laughs> you'd be real stiff if you got dropped after a performance oh, like you'd that. Be you'd have every right to walk into the coach's <laughs> office and ask for a please explain, I reckon. The the play but probably at the, same, at the same time though like it's 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 almost the strength of the side if you're getting dropped um, well, on, on that kind of performance if um, you know it's probably a good good thing for the team team overall but yeah um, I, I'd expect him to keep his spot that's for sure yeah hundred percent and we obviously had a, a debutant on the weekend Derek Ignacy Smith um, I didn't know a lot about him to be fair because I think he was out with injuries a lot of his first year at the club uh, but his form this year in the VFL has been quite good and I thought his debut game. Uh, he showed he showed a bit. His first contest, it was a bit shaky, as you could expect, but ended up with 19 disposals at 79%. He gained 404 metres and had seven contested possessions. I thought he looked pretty sturdy when he had the ball, and he made a lot of good decisions down back. He's got a great name, Derek. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a good... Um, I, d- I had to look him up. I didn't know who he was when he was named in the team, so I'd, I had no idea. I don't think I was the only one that had to do that, but uh, it's, a, it's a good start particularly when you don't know who they are. And they come in and they um, sort of put the jets on and, and uh, get a lot of the ball and influence the game as well as they have. Uh, that's a great start. And just, again, like Sydney Stack earlier in the year. And, um, well, Bolton played last year, but he's got a good run this year, a better run. Uh, it's just it's great to see good talent come into the side. I, I think not only that, but I'm pretty sure he's the first player who's actually come through our Next Generation Academy as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really good sign that obviously we've, we've, um, we're able to produce some really good players through, through that avenue. Um, if, if he's obviously the first of hopefully many coming from, from the from the NGA. So, um, but also probably credit to, to our system as a as a you know our whole football system um, that you know a debutant can come in and have that kind of performance playing off a half back. Um, you know, as Trindicat mentioned before, like you know we've we've had blokes like Sydney Stack come in and, and do very similar. Funnily enough against GWS um, earlier this year, playing off that half-back role. And uh, we have a lot of faith in our players to be able to go out and, and do the role. And obviously the communication and, and understanding of of what's expected and, and the performance levels um, and roles within the team are, are really clear that anyone can come in and, and do that and take the, take the opportunities when they're there, that's for sure. I was talking about this with a mate the other day and, it honestly all boils down to the fact that we've been able to establish our own VFL side and the club needs to be heavily commended for that because realistically, mm-hmm. if that didn't happen, this kind of transformation and plays coming in and out seamlessly doesn't happen. 
um, because you're, you're having to play by you know Coburg's kind of structure if we were affiliated with them, for example. You look at how good yeah. Hawthorne and Geelong have been and for how for, for so long. It, it is because simply they've got their own standalone team and one person went out, someone else come in, they knew the structure, they knew the game plan and it, and it worked seamlessly. And I think a massive pat on the back to the club for taking the punt on doing a standalone VFL team, but it's honestly been the best thing that's happened for us. What year did we bring in the, our own VFL team? I'm trying to remember. Oh, good question. I'd say probably, oh, I'm going to take a stab, maybe 2012, 2013. Because I think another really important part of our, um, of, of the, we're bearing fruits from changes made also to our development staff a few years ago, uh, particularly I think at the end of 2016, after that year, and a you know, we've haven't done a put, haven't put a foot wrong since then uh, in respect to the names we're bringing into the side. We've played the most players this year um, due to injury, and uh, there hasn't been uh, too many or any disappointments really. They've all um, had, at least had a crack or had a couple of good games. If they've uh, then gone back to the VFL, mm. but but as you said, definitely the the. The strategy to, to obviously implement the VFL side, and obviously we've, we've had like you know Richmond reserves in the past, and then we went through the years where we had the affiliation with with Coburg, and you know d- definitely the, the the conversation at the time was around well, hang on a second, we we aren't getting the same sort of communication um, uh, in terms of what our you know expectations and the kind of roles that our players what we want them to be doing at that level. Um, so obviously, yeah, putting a lot of work to obviously get the VFL side up and running. And yeah, look, as I said, we're bearing the fruits of that that strategy now. Where you know, if if any player drops down to the VFL, they're able to slot into into that team, or whether they're coming from the VFL into the AFL team, uh, once again, they're, they're able to slot into those roles perfectly because we, we operate, um, you know, almost side by side within the same system. And you know, once again, I love to look back at the, the, the grand final year. You look at it even after the grand final. Every player as part of the system, AFL, VFL, were in the rooms, singing the song, celebrating because because it is it, it's all one team, uh, all collectively looking after one goal, um, and kind of as we said, Michael's before about the, those strong sides, the Hawthorns, Geelongs, and the Western Bulldogs as well have been another one where their VFL side and AFL side have been really strong. Um, I think they might have won the VFL premiership or, or maybe lost um, in the grand final, similar to us. In, in that grand final year um, when they, they won the flag. so I think they lost by a point or they lost the week beforehand. So they missed out on the grand final by a point. I can't quite remember. We didn't do it, though. We, we were close. <laughs> yeah, yeah ma- massive uh, leg up having the VFL team. Uh, before we get on to the preview for the GWS game, I thought we'd bring back the segment, the three things you've learnt from round 16. Um, so, Trindicut, I'll start with you first, mate. What are the three things you learnt from round 16? Probably the first one I roll with, and I you know, I forgot to write these down, but I did have a bit of a look at this early today, but Collingwood for me on, uh, on Friday night, I think it was, was a pretty big eye-opener. I really expected them to bounce back, and I think that... Uh, the fact that Hawthorne was able to get one over them again, and they they looked they looked like they were almost in disarray. So for me, that was um, to to learn that they're maybe not um, they're not at the level um, that we sort of all expected them to be at. That was a, a pretty big surprise for me. Um, 
I'll put I'll push on to Sparty. He can do one, and I'll I'll get back to you. <laughs> the second one. <laughs> um, look, kind of putting us aside. Obviously, we, we we can talk about us. We we know we're coming. Um, I, I think everyone else kind of probably stood up a little bit and went, "Oh, hang on, Richmond is still a contender." Um, and and the fact that. I think I saw on Twitter the other day that we've, we're, we're probably sitting at this almost the same position, um, same amount of wins, same percentage, everything from our premiership year just shows that, you know, we're still within a chance, that's for sure. But um, probably the biggest thing for me in terms of uh, taking note was once again West Coast, um, probably uh, from, from, a, from an AFL perspective, um, for what they were able to do um, in the conditions against Fremantle in, in a derby, um, really shows that they're going to be hard to beat again. Um, just once again, similar to us, they've had blokes come in, um, debutants in, in recent weeks, Jared Cameron probably being a really good example, come in and, and, and kicking goals, literally. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be a very, very hard team to beat, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. They look scary. Mm. I thought that... Um... I thought that Brisbane Lions win over uh, Giants was very convincing, and I always uh, uh, I was kind of cheeky putting this them put, putting them into something I learned because I suspected most of this year that they are uh, under fakes so they'd be pretty strong, but I think this is probably uh, one of their most defining wins over the Giants on Sunday, um, and really, you know, I, I think the commentary world in general has uh, been pretty pretty. Uh, Consistent in saying they've earned their spot in the top four and they're they're a team to look out for this year. Yeah, agree. I, that was an amazing when I watched that game, and I'm with you. That was actually mm. one of my ones I had down too. That how impressive mm. they were. Uh, there was just a really mature performance, and even last year I was pretty adamant, and a lot, I know a lot, a lot of people were, but they weren't as bad as what their record suggested last year. So I'm I'm shocked they're as high as they are, but I'm not. I thought they were going to be a lot better than they were last year, but they've far exceeded my expectations. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost in a way very similar to us, where probably our development um, early Damien Hardwick years progressed so much quicker than probably what we were expecting, um, and then we had that little bit of the lull, and maybe it might be perhaps next year, or maybe Brisbane will just continue going um, and can continue their upward trend. It's um, similar. I, I had them on my, my list of three things that I, I kind of took notice from this week in terms of, yeah, they're, they're actually here and, and they're going to be playing finals and they, you know, you don't want to be playing them uh, particularly up at the Gabba if, if they end up um, mm-hmm. you know, top half of the bottom, bottom eight um, or, you know what I mean? Uh, within that five and six bracket. Um, yeah. You definitely want probably avoid them because yeah, they're going to be a very exciting um, and tough, tough team to beat in finals. That's for sure. Yeah, did either of you have a, a, a number three, or did we kind of all steal from each other? Um, well, I, I, I'll let someone else go because I reckon mine's my third's probably an obvious one as well. So, just... <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, one thing that uh, I've been saying this for a few weeks that maybe this is probably solidified my uh, my thoughts. The uh, the rising star um, award is is definitely not set in stone. Um, a lot of people probably think Walsh is is a uh, Definitely showing Sydney Stack once again um, showed that he's very, uh, very, very close to to, to running that award. Um, another really senior performance. He, he looks like a hundred game player, um, and I'm trying not to obviously be a be a biased Richmond supporter. No, don't um, worry about it. Just once. do it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the forum to do it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, look, watch watching the um, the the Melbourne and Carlton game. Walsh had a pretty quiet game, um, and probably has over the last few weeks as well, particularly. Uh, um, and Sydney Stack just just once again just um, just doing what he does best and just playing really good footy. Uh, so yeah, really, really, I think that's probably a really exciting watch in in the the run home for the rest of the season, particularly how those two players go, because I think there might be a lot of votes now now heading towards Sydney Stack. That's uh, that way. One of mine was actually about the Carlton Melbourne game, kind of a two pronged one. Number one, that that was one of the worst games of football I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I get to work on monday and i had someone tell me that apparently the first quarter and a half of the hawthorne collingwood was worse i couldn't understand how that was possible but yeah, that, that was a this, bad game to watch the skill the levels of that, game. was it oh that, yeah oh, it was bad but the skill levels on melbourne and um and carlton it was just diabolical like you could have played the benny hill music over the top of that first half i reckon um, yeah. which led, led me to my kind of second-pronged point on that that if we don't beat both of those teams convincingly we don't deserve to play finals <laughs> no, no, good point. But point. no, in Richmond, we'll probably only beat them by like twelve points or something. Yeah, <laughs> just, just get over the line. So. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I don't think Weedering. Did any of you see Weedering's hit uh, in the back of uh, I reckon it was Petrarca's head? I can't believe that man walked off. He went into the back of Petrarca's head in yeah. the full steam. <laughs> what about, yeah, did, did, what did about uh, old mate Ben Cunnington? Fifth time he's hit a bloke and he gets another fine. One of those was, so two, he got two in one match, I think, and that was like his third and fourth. Um, but he's, he, I think now he can get referred directly to the tribunal. So, but he needs to pull his head in. Cause what what they, happened to stamping it out? Uh, AFL just got soft <laughs> in the knees. Probably got a good time. I think they went soft on Cochin. So um, we'll probably reap, reap the benefits of that, I guess. But uh, they they stopped going. They they got soft on on this kind of thing earlier in the year when they uh, didn't suspend uh, Gary Ablett twice, or oh. they suspended him and overruled it, and then they didn't even bother the next week for the same thing. And then two weeks after that, uh, you know, then he gets a suspension. Yeah, nothing should surprise us anymore. Ah, that's a uh, fail for me. That uh, whole MRO is, uh, you know, I wanted to have a bit of belief that it sounded like it was going to work well, but uh, it, there's just no consistency at all, and I, I don't think, um, I don't think it should just be a one-man show. They need to get some some smarter heads involved. Mm. Um, the third thing that I learnt from this week, and I'm, I'm not sure if any of you guys have heard or take seen this on social media, but apparently Collingwood have got injuries again. Um, Tom Brown's mentioned it once or twice in the last 30 <laughs> seconds, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Apparently, they've got some troubles down there. So just in case anyone wasn't aware, the, the Pies are once again having a, a bit of an issue with injuries. And old mate Tom Brown, that's all he tweets about these days. He loves, he loves to be all over Collingwood. Loves the Pies. He's got a good smack from Rewalt. Uh, I, I hope I see another one soon. He does give me the shits a little bit, Tom Brown. <laughs> But uh, Adam Trelaw missed tonight's AFL 360 with a family, a death in the family. So uh, he might he might be in doubt this weekend. There hasn't really been any talk about it that I've seen. But uh, and I've got him in my super coach as well, obviously. So that's going to uh, piss me off if he's out. But uh, these things happen. All right, we'll push on to the preview for the big game this week against the Giants. 
another must-win game, as we all know, with the, the on the back of the Giants mm. losing by 20 points to the Lions, which they, they're not going to be happy about. Probably not a good time to get a rebounding GWS, uh, although they were rebounding last week, technically, I suppose, and they still lost. Uh, a win would put us into fifth position, and we would either be equal on points with third or fourth, or we'd be one game behind third and fourth at the end of the round. So a lot up for grabs, and it's just been amazing how some of these other results have worked out around us, and while it's probably made the gap for error smaller underneath us, because if we lose, we, and a few other teams, and Port Adelaide, Adelaide and Essendon win, we could go to ninth. So it's closed that gap, but it's also allowed us the opportunity to shoot for the stars and try and sneak into the top four. I don't think we have to worry about Adelaide. They're a basket case. That was going to be my third actual thing I learned on the weekend is why well, I suspected for a long time that Adelaide would poo. They uh, <laughs> confirmed that with a with a disgraceful effort on uh, on the weekend in a derby match. So when the coach comes out and apologises for your team, yeah, I don't think he's going to be leading that club for much longer. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a big game. And uh, I think that... The, the, the heats really turn up on GWS this week, um, and I don't think that's going to slow down for the duration of the week as well. They'll really see us as redemption if they can get a win this weekend because we've come off a couple of good wins. So we're going to have to play at our best. Um, and I've will be back in as well, so it could be a challenging game to get the forward line working with Lynch and Rewald only playing their, was it, fourth game or fifth game together? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I think, though, if we can move the ball as quickly as we did inside the Ford 50, like we did last week, I think that's going to eradicate a lot of those issues. Because that was the one thing I took from the Gold Coast game. I think we had 23 marks inside 50, which is a staggering number. And that only happens when you move the ball quick. And for so long now, we've had a really bad habit of when we mark it 75, 80 metres out, we'll wait 15, 20 seconds for everyone to get back. And then everyone gets double-teamed, triple-teamed, and it's really hard to take that clean mark. Whereas... Last week, we turned around, wheeled around quickly, got it inside 50, and we could take those marks. And I think with Jack and Tom in the same forward line, providing they don't lead to the same space, if we move it quick enough, we could have two very good one-on-one prospects to kick the ball to with the small forwards running in at their feet in case he hits the deck. Well, that's Tom Lynch has said, or when Tom Lynch got a little bit of heat earlier in the year, they said that his role isn't to be taking those big grabs. I mean, that's good when he does that, but his main job is to bring those to ground. I think with Rewalt there, I don't think he'll probably... He might be instructed to do that, but I think he'll be trying to take more grabs uh, than he has in years past because he's likely to get a number two opponent rather than number one uh, opposition. So uh, hopefully Jack gets up and takes a few big grabs. Um, without tearing his PCL again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, d- definitely take advantage of the, the second defender, I think, is going to be a really key for, for Jack moving forward. And, and you know, that's that's why we brought Tom Lynch in, to, to have that, I guess, that made that transition of, of Jack within his final years. And, you know, but he's, he's been getting better as he gets older anyway. But, um, yeah, definitely, it, it's only going to be a strength for, for him to take that second defender um, and hopefully, you know, uh, perform really well on them rather than, as I said, taking the first defender. And all, like I sort of, going back over my first point, having the second defender only works to our advantage if we get it in quick enough. If we hold it up, yep. all Phil Davis is going to do is come across and spoil everything or Heath Shaw, um, someone like that. So we have to make sure we're smart about it in the way we utilise whoever's on that second defender because it, it's going to be something we should be able to exploit pretty easily if we're smart enough. Hopefully we just go that- in there... Sorry, go on, uh, Spider. No, no, you, you go. I think that if we 
we, particularly on the weekend just gone, we didn't really pop it up too much. I mean, we did a little bit, but we got it in there, as you said, quickly and sharp too. So there wasn't a lot of time for their defence to react to what well, we didn't really... What's the word I'm looking for? We didn't really uh, uh, tell them what we were going to do. It didn't. Uh, it didn't. wasn't obvious, you know, which way we we're going to go in. So as long as we keep doing that, then uh, we'll have a really good chance of uh, get, getting some goals on the board um, with uh, splitting that their defence through two talls and Rewalt and Lynch. Yeah, I, I was actually going to say it's probably credit to probably our back six and and midfield more than anything. Um, more so, we don't have to have guys dropping back into in defence um, to kind of fill those holes. Uh, we, we seem to really have solidified that over the last couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, our, our mid, midfield doesn't have to drop back. So, we, in, in a way, I like to say, like, you know, we're playing more positive football, um, playing more attacky, attacking kind of form of the football. So, um, you know, as, as you said, we're able to move it quicker and we're, we're leaning towards, you know, drifting into into our into our attacking half rather than the defensive half and and waiting for blokes to come back in into the into the forward half. As I said, holding up for that, that 15, 20 seconds. So, um, you know, if, if we're playing that more positive type of football, we can have Lynch and, and Greenwald uh, playing more as almost stay-at-home forwards. Um, so then we've got targets up there. And then obviously having the, the quick, you know, Mosquito fleet we've got there with with, uh, with Bolton and Stack and, and Rioli, Pretty much at ground level and Castagna as well. We we keep forgetting about him most of the time, but um, you know, ground level and running into the forward line and obviously um, you know kicking our goals that way. Last time we played the Giants, they knocked us off by forty nine points. I know we had a little bit go against us with Jaden Short going off, and I think mm-hmm. Cotchin didn't play the second half from memory, so we were two down. I actually think we were in the game up until that point in time, so they kind of ran over the top of us. Yes. Asprey obviously back in, like you mentioned earlier on in the show, playing on camera is going to make such a big difference with the makeup of our back line. But those things aside, what do you think we need to be doing differently to get the win over the Giants? Because they are going to come out pretty hard and they are going to want revenge for their loss last week. I think that the most, probably the, on the team sheets, the most influential thing this week is going to be obviously getting Rewild back, but that's, he said tonight on 360, he's coming back. But uh, if... If GWS get both Whitfield and Mumford back this week, and they're both a good chance to come back, I think that'll challenge us um, in those respective areas. I think uh, when it comes to stoppages, GWS are a very stoppage-oriented team, and Mumford will only enhance that for them. And so we'll have to do something around stoppages to ensure that they don't they don't um, they don't score so heavily from them um, uh, on the weekend. We'll have to do something to combat that. Uh, and on top of that, as well, we, we need to really play to our strengths and uh, kick a lot of goals off of turnovers. That seems to be the, the way to win for us for a long time now. And I don't think we really did that uh, against them earlier in the year. Um, but if we can get to doing that again, and we, we punish Gold Coast on the weekend for their turnovers, and we need to keep doing that this weekend to, to get a win over the Giants. Yeah, it just seems pressure, doesn't it? Um, that's, what, yeah. that's what Brisbane did, just put the pressure on from... From the very first moment, play you know, you know it's, it keeps getting repeated, but it's it's tried and true. You know, you play four quarters, and um, definitely that Richmond brand of football, what we've we've seen to become uh, synonymous for over the last couple of years, particularly is um, you know high pressure football, and um, yeah, it's go, it's going to have to come from from the very get go, from the first siren to the last. You mentioned Mumford before Trindicut. Um There was mixed reports on the Giants board 
some I mean obviously they a lot of them would see the report that he was being tested for this week but there was someone who said he was told that Mumford's probably still about two weeks away apparently he's still fairly sore so don't know whether it's true mm. or not but hopefully I mean I would obviously rather him not play than play uh, Josh Kelly is obviously out with a car for three weeks which is a huge out for them Josh Kelly's an absolute superstar um, so missing him is going to hurt them quite a bit Caniglio mm-hmm. is down as a test he was pretty ginger on the weekend but played out the game uh, yeah, looks Lockie, Lockie Whitfield is a test with a collarbone and Lockie, Lockie Whitfield's an interesting one I think I mean his talent is possibly coming back this week but the Giants I mean if you're anyone who plays super coach here they'll know that the Giants injury list and when they say they're coming back can't be trusted at all this year um, after I held on to Toby Green for six weeks uh, but Whitfield had a collarbone injury it seems unlikely that he'd come back in the short time that he's had I think he's only had two or three weeks and it's generally a four- to six-week injury. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play Whitfield. As likewise, I'm not surprised to hear that there's talk that Mumford's out for two weeks and they're yeah. still saying he's a test. Because, I mean, we're going to be pretty physical, uh, and there's no doubt about it. So mm-hmm. it would be pretty risky on their part to put Whitfield in that early on and run the risk of extended injury. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, they don't seem to be taking many risks in that, in that area um, with their players, so... If there's any risk, I don't think they'll play. But that means that I feel like if he plays, there probably isn't any risk. And look out, the Mumford hurts people. That's just what he does. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We'll get Sydney Stacks to run through him first. <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely tried. He really, he, he's got no fear. He'll have a crack. Yep. It'll and... bounce off of him into the uh, level four. <laughs> <laughs> And now to the million-dollar question, the the question that I've put out on Twitter a few times already and still haven't really got a answer, or a good answer anyway. Jack Rewalt's obviously coming back in for us. Who is going out? Now, I mean, the obvious one is Egg, unfortunately, as much as we loved his oh. debut. Um, but people don't seem to be throwing up his name. The, the, the most common name that I keep seeing coming up saying that's going to be dropped for Jack Rewalt is Troll. And I think that is just crazy because... We can't go into a game without a second ruck. Um, Jack and Tom Lynch aren't going to go into the centre square and ruck when Soldo's off the ground. So for me, I think Troll stays. I think it's a simple Jack for Egg, and we just reshuffle a little bit down back. Yeah, we really need Sean Grigg back as that second ruckman, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We're really missing him in that role, that's for sure. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm probably with that as well, with, with, with Egg going out. Um you once again great debut. Um, did everything right, um, you know. But when you, you, you're getting dropped with arguably one of our you know top five players, or, you know definitely top five players. Um, so yeah, look, it's it's he'll take a lot from this experience. Obviously, learn a lot. He'll be able to go back and keep keep um, you know, working his craft at VFL level. Um, but yeah, overall, look, really strong performance from, from everyone there. The only other one I'd probably consider maybe Rioli, just because he hasn't been as, as strong within the side over, over recent weeks. Um, once again, another small small type of player. They, they might want to just give him some time off maybe because um, he has, he's been in and out of the side a bit. So whether it's injury or, or something else he's kind of working on. Um, but yeah, they're probably the, the two players I'd, I'd probably um, say to get dropped. Because if, if Ed gets dropped, I'd expect... Stack to go um, back into that role off the half back and, and then Jack to go forward if that was the case. Last year, 
Shai Bolton got on the ruck against the Giants on two occasions. Uh, so I, I, it's uh, it's maybe a troll for me. I just think that uh, a tall for, tall for a tall. Rewalt's done ruck work before. I know he's coming back from a PCL injury, but uh, Solder's been doing a pretty good job almost as a sole ruckman. So uh, I, I would think that they um, they drop uh, Chol back uh, to the to the twos for Rewalt. Yeah, I reckon that's asking for trouble. Just with the six-six-six rule, we—I I just don't mm. like giving opposition midfield, especially as good as GWS's, almost free reign at getting the ball inside quickly to a quality forward line under no pressure. I just reckon that's asking for trouble. If it was, if the six-six-six rule wasn't in place and we could still set up behind the ball, it, it wouldn't make—it mm. wouldn't matter. We could put whoever we want in there. But yeah, I don't know. I just think it's flirting with a lot of danger, but. Just a shit time to be a selector, I reckon. You're going to have a lot of headaches. And then you've got Josh <laughs> Caddy as well. I mean, Caddy's probably going to be right to go. I'm not too sure he walks straight back into the team at the moment, to be honest. Oh, I think you'd make room for him. I think you'd make. You'd have to make some room for him. Um, he's just... Uh, he's got a bit of that grunt, I think, that we need. Gets his head over it. And I think he hurts blokes too, if he wants to. Um, if, if Mumford plays, I... I I wouldn't be terribly surprised if Charles stayed in, uh, and one of the other boys went out for uh, for Rewalt. But uh, yeah, it, yeah. Well, if um, if Caddy was to come in, who would go out? And I, I don't think it can be a small forward because we can't afford to lose the pace up front. Mm. For me, it kind of looks like on paper a, a direct swap with someone like a Jack Graham, but he's done a really good job. Run, running with plays the last few weeks. Now, I'd like to see him do it again this week. I don't know who would... I mean, I, I think our selectors are going to have a big headache. As you said, I've got Buckley's chance of being able to determine who we're going to get rid of for, for Caddy. Uh, yeah, what uh, Sparty said, Rioli's been in some pretty poor form, might need to run in the twos. I love seeing him out there, though. He's something mm. special, so I, I don't know what they'll do. Look, if, if, if Caddy was to come back in this week, that's probably when I'd start to question whether maybe Marvio Chopol might be the one to, to go out. Um, almost playing, once again, as, as a bit of a tall forward. Um, Caddy, I think, has pinch hit in the ruck as well a couple of times. So, um, you know, almost taking over that, that Sean Grigg role um, as that small second ruckman. Um, so, but yeah, look... Oh, I, I think they can they can prepare as much thinking that Mumford will play, but I don't think it really affects their selection too much. It's probably more on on work, making sure that our system holds up more than anything, rather than kind of working towards their selections. Yeah, I think that's an important point that we typically will only ever worry about what we can control, and that's why we've been fairly successful. We haven't worried too much about what other teams are going to do. We just play our own game and back our own system in to be very cliched. Yep, yep that's it. All right, before we let you both go, we better get a tip, including margin. Uh, Sparty, I'll start with you first. Um, oh, look, I, I think we're, we're pretty primed to, to get the win, so um, I'm, I'm fairly confident, obviously, with, with the outs for GWS, um, and we're, we're in good form. They're probably on the downwards form. Played at the MCG as well. Uh, the, the start of our residency for the rest of the year as well, yeah. which is which is going to be really good for us Uh Leading to the finals, but um, I think it's going to be cold, wet kind of you know Sunday afternoon here in, in Melbourne. So probably low scoring game. I'd probably pick us by about fourteen points. And Trindicut. 
Uh, yeah, similar thinking. Um, their outs are pretty significant. I think Mumford's a big in for them if he gets his way back in, but uh, we'll assume that he doesn't. And I'll say Richmond by 34. Ooh, I, I like feel that. like it'll be... I think it'll be close. Nice. I think it'll be close until the third quarter, and we'll go back to a bit of our 2017 form of just running over the top of them at the end. That would send a big statement, I reckon. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Watch I reckon, out. I reckon we'll get up. Uh, I'll probably split the difference to go in the middle. I'll say by about 20 to 25 points. But similar to you, I think we, it might be a late runaway that we get. But um, yeah, if it happens to be a bigger one over 30, that would be a huge message. Mm. All right, We're so coming. Just, absolutely. The uh, a reminder: the game is on Sunday, July fourteenth at the MCG at one ten. Make sure we all get down there. Make it a bit of a fortress. Uh, there'll be about five giant supporters there, so make them feel unwelcome by um, screaming as loud as you can without getting kicked out. Of course, we don't want the uh, PC brigade kicking people out for clapping and cheering. But make sure we're down there with voice. They've all been shipped back off. You didn't hear about the security guard issue. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> That's not surprising. <laughs> oh, that was a, a bit of a cough, wasn't it? But um, hopefully the boys can get another one to make it three in the row and really make a charge for the top four. So, Trindicut and Sparty, thanks so much, guys, for coming on tonight. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, no, thank you. No it's worries. Until next time, go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!